Well, thanks, Dan, for setting things up so nicely, because I was going to focus on just verse 1 today, so that's perfect. Um, we are starting on the 23rd Psalm, and it's often read at gravesides. It's read at funerals. Virtually every movie you can think of where there's a funeral going on probably has the 23rd Psalm read in part or whole during the movie, which is a remarkable thing. But I think we should point out that it's very appropriate for those moments, but Psalm 23 is for the living. Psalm 23 is for those who are alive, and it's fitting to remember the, our eternal destiny through Psalm 23 because it's pointing to that. But the Lord is my shepherd now, is what it's telling us, right now. And that's where I want to go this morning. There's, there's really two movements as you look at the whole 23rd Psalm, right? There's the first four verses, really uh, King David, as he writes this, is thinking as a sheep. And then the last two verses, he's really a human again. Uh, with one exception, in the middle of those first four verses, he kind of goes out of sheep mode into human. But it's very interesting. In both cases, he's living under the care of God as his shepherd. Um, Dan already referenced a couple different translations this morning. Um, I'm going to have a challenge uh, at the end of this morning, uh, and I don't care what translation you use for the challenge at the end. Um, my, tra- my philosophy of translations is use them, so go for it. Pick one and use it. Use multiple, in fact. But as we focus on, on the 23rd Psalm, on verse 1, I do encourage you to find it so you can see it, even though it'll pop up on the screen, and it's short, but I think it's powerful to have it in front of you, if you can. The focus today is that the shepherd offers his care if we live under his authority. That doesn't mean God doesn't care about you if you don't submit to his authority, but it means the level of care is going to be elevated that we see over, uh, over the course of the psalm as we offer ourselves to live under his authority. And it changes as we live under his authority. And it's not difficult to understand what a shepherd does. The next couple weeks we'll go into the job description, if you will, of a shepherd, because that's what verses 2, 3, and 4 do. Um, But a shepherd cares and leads his flock. But of course we know, even if we're not shepherds, that sometimes sheep have different ideas. Anybody who's ever owned a pet at all knows that the pet doesn't always do what you want it to do, even the most well-trained. Well, sheep are notorious for wandering and getting into trouble. And so they need a shepherd, but sometimes the sheep are trying to do something completely different. But the shepherd of your souls cares for you beyond measure. That's what we're supposed to hear from the 23rd Psalm. And so let's Let's go to the psalm and let's just hear that first verse. Again, I'm not worried about what translation you're using because they're all getting to the same point. Mine says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And the reason I want to, I think it's important to focus on the first verse before we even go anywhere else is not simply because it's the first verse, but until you've claimed that idea that the Lord is my shepherd, the rest of the verses aren't really of use to you, as Dan finally pointed out this morning. Right? You have to claim the Lord is my shepherd. And so there are two things that we can do without realizing it sometimes that can keep this shepherd at arm's length. One seems more, I think, blatant than the second, but they're both very related. And so on the one hand, we can have an attitude and a person can have an attitude that the Lord is your shepherd not my shepherd. And I think we can do an easy study here with King David and King Saul. But before I do that, I think we should point out why it's important that this even happens. Um, You know, in our family, we've moved a lot of times. 
Um, and every time you move, especially when you move uh, to a new city or a new place, um, it takes two years before you really feel at home in that new place, right? And especially with a church, it takes about two years before you really feel like this, I feel like part of the, the body or the family. And then it takes really into that third year where you feel like these are my people. This is my church. This is my community, that kind of thing. It takes a while to transition to something new. And before that, it's your church or your town or your city or whatever. It takes a while to transition. That's what we're talking about here. Because if we have an attitude, the Lord is your shepherd, not my shepherd, we disregard God, whether we realize it or not. King Saul is a great example of this. King David is our author here, but the king that preceded him was an excellent example, unfortunately, of your God kind of stuff. In fact, that's how King Saul referred to God, even as he ruled Israel. It was always your God. It was never my God, if you read the text. He's always deflecting. He kind of uses God for convenience when it works, but for the most part, it's your God said this. Your God did this. Your God asked me to do that. And Saul then finds his strength not in God, you see, but in his own appearance, right? He looks in the mirror and he likes what he sees, and that's where his strength is. Saul finds his, his strength from his literal strength because he's strong on the battlefield. He's intimidating physically. Saul finds his strength in his mind. Now let's make sure we clarify, not in his wisdom, because he doesn't seem to exhibit a, a lot of that in his life. But his mind, he's, he's also strategic. He gets his strength from these things. And he puts his stock there. But it turns out those things are not really satisfactory for fulfillment in life and certainly for walking with God and living under his care and authority. Because we're living under our own authority at that point. Saul is. It's always your God. And the, the problem is Saul discovers this in life. And when he fails, he flails, is what happens. So he's put his strength in his stock, in what he looks like, and what he can do, and how powerful he is, and how he can strategize. And it seems like it works for him for a while, but when he finally fails at that, Saul does things like take on the role of priest when he shouldn't do that. And he disregards God. And disregards, really, God's chosen uh, uh, priests and people that should be doing that. Saul disobeys and tries to elevate his own leadership at the expense of God's commands. As he starts to freak out and realize that his power isn't really sufficient for the task he's been called to. And then when God raises up a new leader in King David, Saul gets jealous and then just completely loses it from that point on. And Saul, interestingly, as a king, was promised success if he obeyed God. But he was told, if you fail, it's going to be because you disregarded me. It's your own failings. If you succeed, it's because I was with you, God says. And frankly, it's not all that different with all of us. But what Saul did is always, it was always your God, your God, your God. Just like we could do, the Lord is your shepherd without realizing it. Disregard God. Want to take all the stuff and the benefits that God gives, but not actually live under his authority. Now, a second thing that we can do if we don't live into that first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. And this one, this eluded me until I was kind of reading a commentary this week, and, and I think it's a really good point to make. It's easy to see how somebody, and we can see these people around us who would always kind of point to your God, that kind of thing. 
But we can also have an attitude, whether we realize it or not, where we kind of dodge God on some things. So we kind of half claim God. And we can not quite claim the Lord is my shepherd, but we can claim I'm part of the flock, which is an interesting idea. And I think it's worth dwelling on for a moment. That is, we want to get the benefits without the commitment, right? It's, it's, it's like a more subtle way of what Saul was, King Saul was doing. And you can see this actually in uh, really the most progressive wings of what would be called Christianity, where people will claim the name Christian, but they say, I don't believe the Bible uh, is the word of God, or they'll say, I don't believe that church is necessary or valuable, or I believe that Jesus is not the only way to salvation. He's just a way. And then at, at some point you wonder, why are you even claiming the name Christian at that point? Because it doesn't make logical sense. But there's sort of a sense of being part of the flock, but kind of not claiming all that goes with being part of the flock and the authority or the figure, the shepherd, that's the, over the flock. But we can actually go this way in, in uh, many different spheres of life. Um, a couple examples, and I see this in the evangelical world sometimes, but I see this more broadly in our culture, that people will want to sometimes talk about religion in a big, broad sense so that we can talk about everything and nothing all at the same time, right? If, if we're talking about religion, um, it's fine if you're talking about that in an academic sense to define it, but nobody practices religion they practice a specific faith. And so we can easily dodge if we never get to the specifics of what we believe, and we always talk in generalities, and we see that in the culture around us, and sometimes we can buy into it in the church. No, I practice Christianity. I practice following Jesus Christ specifically, the Good Shepherd. That's what I do. I'm academically interested in Islam. I think Buddhism is interesting to research. I don't practice those faiths, nor do I believe truth is found there. It's found in following Jesus. We need to get specific. And you can see that, secondly, and people will talk broadly about God. We can have a lot of good conversations with people in this world about God, and they can be really broad and really vague and completely useless half the time. But we get specific because we follow the good shepherd, Jesus. We need to be specific about that because otherwise we can end up dodging a little bit without realizing it. We need to be specific about how we live under that authority. That scripture is God's word, not just a useful guide. We live under the authority of that scripture. David did it. We do it too. That's how we function with the Lord as our shepherd. And if I may point out one more area where we can easily dodge sometimes without realizing it, because part of making the Lord my shepherd is putting our faith in that shepherd and not in our own strength and not in the strength of anybody else, but making the Lord my shepherd, living under his authority and his strength, part of that um, I think ought to be pointed out right now in, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're in an election right now for the president. Has anybody noticed? It's been going on for like 18 years, it feels like. And I know it makes some of you nervous because it seems like I'm getting political. And I am for a moment, just to say this. My faith is not in any presidential candidate. My faith is not in a particular legislation that's going to be passed through. Christians should be involved in politics. We should vote. We should we should have our voice heard there, absolutely. But the culture around us has largely given up on any other faith except politics. And we're doing wrong if we give in to the same faith that they have. Our faith is in the risen Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. That's where our authority is. That's where our hope is. And we vote and we get involved. But there's never going to be a single political candidate 
where my faith is going to be held like it's held in Jesus Christ. He's the Savior and lover of my soul. And we need to remember that in this season, that the Lord is my shepherd. And if we dodge too easily, we start to give in to what culture is selling us all too often and pulling us into, that that's actually our religion. It's not. We follow Jesus, the good shepherd. And so we need to claim the Lord as my shepherd. That's what David does. In contrast to King Saul, he claims the Lord is my shepherd. And David knew humility in his life, what it meant to live under authority. David knew what it was to lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I'd lack nothing. But he knew what it was to lack. So he knew what it was when he said that. He knew what it was to rely on the strength of God when he was low and when he was in lean times and when he was powerless. He had experienced all that. So when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, he's speaking out of his experience. I've lived under God's power, I live under his authority, and I know what it means that he provides, even when it feels like I lack. And so when, when David claims the Lord is my shepherd, an example that we can look to in his own life is in uh, 1 Samuel 17. I'll just read these two verses for you. 1 Samuel 17, 36 and 37. This is David and Goliath. He's standing before King Saul. He's just pretty young at this point, a young shepherd who's come, and he's already been kind of ridiculed by his brothers uh, that he's come to make fun of them. But he says, nobody else is standing up to Goliath. I can do this. But he, he points to a bigger strength behind him. In verse 36, 1 Samuel 17, he says, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David knew God's care over him as shepherd. He doesn't say, I killed the bear on my own. I killed the lion. He says, no, the Lord rescued me when I was in trouble. My shepherd rescued me is what he's telling us. I live under his authority. I live under his care. And the way we practically do this, of course, we recognize that Paul tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed in 2 Timothy. And he says that that means we live under the authority of God's Word. God has communicated what He wants out of us as the shepherd of our souls through His Word so that we would know how to live in this world and prepare for what's to come. The authority by which we live in this life is found in, in the Word of God. David lived under it. We live under it, too. And so here's a question you can consider as you consider the Lord being my shepherd. And have I made the Lord my shepherd? What would it take for you to claim God as your shepherd and his word as the authority over all of your actions and attitudes? You know, consider all of your actions and attitudes this week. And, and the challenge I have at the end will help you do that. What does it mean in each of those actions and attitudes to live under the authority of the shepherd? To live under his word and his care. But the second thing that, that David points out, he doesn't just say the Lord is my shepherd, he says I lack nothing. You know, 1 Peter 5, uh, Peter writes, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Boy, it seems like a very present and useful verse right now, doesn't it? Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God can take it on. He's the shepherd of your soul. He cares. 
Jesus himself in Matthew 6, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? God, as our shepherd, cares for us, even in the smallest of details. The shepherd offers his care if we live under his authority. I want to point out, before I give you this uh, simple challenge at the end, um, because we live in a land of plenty, sometimes we can get to this verse and we can think we do lack things. And certainly there are people that lack basic necessities. But as I, as I give you this simple challenge, I want you to consider the fact that God has already provided all that we need. You know, we may have days where we feel stress, money, food, whatever. Those will happen. But everything that we need to survive and everything that we need for the salvation of our souls has been provided. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And so in order to live into that this week, this is going to seem painfully simple, but, um, and Dan already said a lot of people have Psalm 1 memorized, Psalm 23, 1 memorized, so memorize it is what I'm going to tell you. But I want you to take it one step further. And I'm, I'm a fan of scripture memory. It, that and fasting are two of the most underutilized parts of sort of uh, the Christian tool belt that we have as far as prayer and as far as, far as engaging with God in our faith. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. It'll take you no time at all to memorize it. But I want you to do something else. I want you to write it down on things like this card or post-it notes or something and put it everywhere else around your life in multiple places. And I want you to take time this week in every circumstance that you can, whether at the store, driving in the car, at work, on a call, doesn't matter. And consider, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. If the Lord's my shepherd in this case... What's my attitude supposed to be? What, are, what is my mouth supposed to reflect about the shepherd of my soul? How, how am I supposed to live under his authority in this specific situation? So don't just memorize it, but write it down and post it around your life so that you can try and live out and consider, is the Lord my shepherd in every sphere of my life? Let's pray together. Lord, let us not neglect the first part of this verse. You are the shepherd of our soul. You care. You care more than anybody in this world could possibly care. And so, Lord, for any of us uh, that haven't said yes to your the, you as shepherd, particularly your son, Jesus Christ, not just religion, not just some broad view of God, but your son, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, then may today be the day. And Lord, for those of us that have said yes to your son, Jesus, as the good shepherd, may we, in fact, reflect on how much has changed in our life because of that and what you've called us to further, how you've called us to be transformed further into the image of your son, Jesus Christ, this week as we dwell on you being our shepherd the fact that you've provided everything that we need. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And Lord, sometimes we feel like we lack. Sometimes we have attitudes that are displeasing to you. Let us not be in that camp this week. Let us express our love and appreciation, our care, and our concern for what you are concerned about in our actions and attitudes this week. Amen.